Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Freedom House, come on Central Campus. So good to see you guys today. My name's Olin Carter. I get to teach here on our teaching team. I know there's a bunch of us that gets confusing. Easy, easy, easy to remember me. I'm the good looking one. So just, you know, you can identify me that way. But I've been on the circuit a little bit, preaching at other campuses, and I miss you guys. I miss Central Campus. This, this is home, and I, I miss you guys so much. Don't tell anybody, but y'all are my favorite. Um, we won't tell anybody that, but, but y'all really are. I love you guys, and it's great to be here with you today. I want to welcome to those that are joining us online. Thank you so much for taking some time today to be with us um, and, and just worship with us. We have a word for you today, and we're so glad you could take a few minutes to be with us online. We've got people joining us right now in Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina, Texas, North Carolina, and Kuwait. Come on, y'all give them a hand. It's awesome. And I want to encourage you guys, too, um, if you haven't already, download our Freedom House app. It's, it's on uh, iOS, Android. Just go to your app store, download the app, because you can take notes right in the app. And I'm going to say some stuff today that you're going to want to write down. Amen? I'm going to say some stuff. And listen, I might get some hate mail today, and this is all I want to ask. If you email me about what I said wrong in this message, at least quote me right. Take, take notes. If you quote me right, I will read your email, okay? But if you don't, just forget about it. So, so listen, we're in this series right now called You Asked For It. We're covering some hot topics, and uh, today we're going we're gonna to cover one of the hottest of the hottest of the hottest topics, uh, and I'm excited about it. And uh, what we're going to talk about today is, is God a Democrat or a Republican? Is God a Democrat or a Republican? You know, in, in polite society, there's two things you are not supposed to talk about. Religion and politics, right? And have you ever gone to the doctor before and the doctor has prescribed you some medication? And then when he prescribes you this medication, he tells you, Hey, listen, when you take this medication, do not mix it with alcohol or do not mix it with this other medication, right? Because when you mix this medication with this medication, you're going to get a reaction. Listen, that's politics and religion right there. When you mix the two of them, you're going to get a reaction. And so I know I'm going to get a reaction today. That's okay. Um, you know, you're not supposed to talk about religion and politics. You're definitely never supposed to do it in church. And I'm going to do all of it right now um, with you. So we're going to have some fun today. So I want to ask you, do you think Jesus would have been a Democrat or a Republican. What do you think? Think about that for a minute. I used to be extremely interested in politics myself. I don't know if you guys remember the Bush-Gore uh, election. Remember that one? That was one to remember, wasn't it? So I was so in, in interested in politics back then. When that election happened, you know, if you stayed up that evening and you're watching the news unfold, um, we had some issues as a country. We, they, they couldn't get the vote counts right. And uh, I stayed up all night long. I never went to sleep. I remember the sun came up, and I was still watching the news. I mean, I couldn't turn it off. I was like, 
and I had friends that, you know, we were debating our political views and things like that. And, you know, I want this one to win. I want this one to win. And, I mean, I was just on the edge of my seat watching this thing unfold. I was super interested in politics. But I used to love to argue and debate with people about politics all the time. And, but then over time, I kind of started to lose interest in politics. I still vote. I still pay attention to politics. But I kind of lost interest in politics. And here's why. Have any of you ever before seen one of these uh, political debates online, right? So it's great in person, but it gets even feistier online. People like to hide behind the screen, right? They get really fired up. And you see this long thread of, you know, you should vote for this person. Well, I'm not voting for that person, and you shouldn't either, and you're an idiot. Well, I'm not an idiot. You're an idiot because I know better than you, and I'm a real Christian, and if you knew God, you'd vote for my candidate because obviously you don't know God. Well, no, you don't know God, and you've never been in church because if you'd ever read the Bible, you would know that my, my candidate is the best candidate. And you know what I've never, ever seen in one of those debates? I've never seen at the end of the thread someone go, you know what? I think you're right. I'm going to change my views. Your arguments were so sound and so smart that I'm just, I'm not going to be a Republican anymore or I'm not going to be a Democrat anymore. You have won me over. Thank you so much. Have you ever seen that before? Never happens. Because when we argue and we debate these issues, what ends up happening is we just get more and more entrenched in what we already believed. Nobody ever changes their mind, and everybody gets so angry about everything, and I've never seen anybody really changed. But I'll tell you what I have seen. Countless, countless times I have seen people totally, completely changed, surrender their politics, surrender their family, forget for, surrender their history, their past, their belief system, when they meet a man named Jesus. That one I've seen. I've seen that one many, 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 many times. And so seeing the one and not seeing the other, I begin to adjust my thinking that maybe, just maybe, the answer for the world today is not for my political candidate to win. Maybe if my candidate wins, maybe if my candidate loses, not all that important compared to knowing Jesus and compared with making him known to other people. So the real question is this, are you willing to put following Jesus ahead of being a Democrat or a Republican? Really, that's the question. The question isn't, is God a Democrat or Republican? Are you willing to put your faith in Jesus, your commitment to following Jesus, above you being a Democrat or Republican? So I'm going to talk about three big thoughts today, and I want to kind of take you on a journey. We're going to touch on a few things that I've been praying about, reading about. I'm going to share some scripture with you, but three big ideas that I think might challenge the way you think about your politics. Number one, everybody say number one. Do you have a political worldview or a kingdom worldview? Do you have a political worldview or do you have a kingdom worldview? We all know in America there's two predominant political parties. There's the Democrats and there's the Republicans. But did you know there's lots of other parties too? There's the Socialist Party. There's the Libertarian Party. There's the Green Party. There's the Tea Party. There's the Green Tea Party. There's the 
I don't know. There's, there's 57 different political parties, and when you start to research it, man, people fall on this big spectrum of political belief. Really, when you look at the parties, they're just temporary platforms that fall somewhere between two primary political philosophies. And tell me if you've heard this before. Right or left? Liberal or conservative? Right? And so every party just falls somewhere on that spectrum, and all of us are either more conservative or more liberal in the way we view the world and the way we view our politics. The parties really are just temporary platforms because they change their platforms every year and their agendas and what they believe in. But we all fall somewhere in those. Now, when I mention these titles, when I say the words left or right, when I say the word liberal or conservative, immediately in your brain, you start to think. You start to identify with maybe a belief you have but probably more of us than others, probably the most common reaction is not to identify with what I believe, but it's to think about those other people. When I say liberal, if you're a conservative, you go, those weak-kneed liberals, I tell you what, I can't stand those people. They just, they don't know anything. And if you're a liberal and you hear the word conservative, immediately you just, oh my gosh, I don't even want to be in the same room with a conservative. Oh, help me, Jesus. No, 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 no. I don't even want to be. And that's the way our brain thinks. Now, what are the fundamental differences between these two philosophies? Well, liberals or progressives is, is a common term today, won't progress. They won't change. And if you're a liberal and you say, yeah, I won't change. I want the world to change. I just want to ask you today what you want to change to be. I want you to think about that. If you're a conservative, conservatives are big on staying true to our traditions and our values. If, if you're a conservative, when you hear family values or Christian values or, or, or tradition, you just go, yeah. But which values do you want to cling to? Are they godly? See, I'm going to pick on liberals first. Is that okay? I'm going to pick on both sides fairly today. But I'm going to pick on liberals first. Progress can be a great thing, right? I mean, we all want progress. I want the world to progress. We, we all want things to get better. Nothing wrong with that. But progress is only a great thing if we're progressing towards godly ideals, godly biblical values. If you see yourself as more liberal, ask yourself, what do you want to see changed and how are you trying to get there? See, Jesus came to bring change, but not the change that people thought. See, when Jesus came, all the Jewish people thought the Messiah was coming to bring political action. The, the, the Jewish people thought Jesus was going to, uh, the Messiah was going to be raised up and just take control, and he was going to go to war, and he was going to free them from their oppressors, from the Romans, and that was their view of what he was going to do. And right now, our country is fixated on a few big political issues that we, we would like God to solve. We would like our political party to solve. We would like somebody to solve. But what's the answer? One of those big issues right now in our country is racial justice. What's the answer to that? Well, let me just give you a little hint here. Martin Luther King made a lot of progress, right? But he didn't figure it out fully or fix it. I'm probably not either. He was smarter than me on this stuff. 
But I can tell you what the answer's not. The answer's not to hate people we disagree with. That's not the answer. It's never going to be the answer. The answer is not to use violence to get our way. That is not the answer. It's never going to be the answer. The answer is not to forget our past and dishonor our leaders. Now, this one's not real popular. Because in our political view in America, it's okay to take the gloves off and go after our leaders. It's okay to talk about the president like he's a dog. But let me tell you something. If you're a conservative and you talked about President Obama like he was an idiot, like he didn't know anything, you were wrong. If you're a liberal and you talk about President Trump like he's an idiot and he doesn't know anything, guess what? You are wrong. It is okay to disagree with someone's opinion. It's okay to voice your political belief. It's okay to vote. It's okay to be involved. But when we begin to dehumanize the people we disagree with, we've left Jesus behind. We've left Jesus behind. Listen, Jesus was beaten, spit upon, crucified, all unjustly. None of it was right. None of it was just. And what did he do? Let's read. This is Luke chapter 23. And we're going to read verses 33 and 34. So Jesus, listen, this is, this is Jesus enduring more pain, more suffering than you or I can even imagine. It says, and when they came to the place that is called the skull or called Golgotha, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Man, Jesus, when he encountered injustice, he didn't call, listen, Jesus could have called down 10,000 angels from heaven. He could have come down off that cross. He could have wiped out the Romans in a moment. He could have walked right up to Caesar and he could have taken the crown off of his head and said, excuse me, I'm taking over. I'm God. But he didn't do that. Because he knew the answer was not that. It was something greater. It was spiritual. And so Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So the job of the church is not to condemn people. And listen, if you're a liberal, if you're a liberal, when I say the job of the church is not to condemn people, you get goosebumps. Because I've preached before, and when I start talking about, hey, as a Christian, we shouldn't be finger-wagging at people and telling them how they're sinners and you're just going to go to hell. We should be loving people. Man, liberals light up. Yeah, preach, brother, preach. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Man, we shouldn't be so hard and judgmental. If you're a liberal, man, you get excited. Yes, let's not be these religious finger-waggers. I hate that. Yeah, that's great. But here's something you're not going to like so much. If you're a liberal, the job of the church is not to condemn, but neither is it to make excuses for or to condone ungodly beliefs or behaviors. That's not the job of the church either. You see, our job is to point, if I'm a liberal or if I'm a conservative, my job is to point people to Jesus. Period. Full stop. That's my job. And listen, Jesus had compassion. Remember when the, the, the woman was caught in adultery and they were going to stone her? Jesus stands in the way. Whoa! You without sin, you cast the first stone. Jesus had compassion. 
But what did he tell the lady when the whole thing was over? He said, go and sin no more. He didn't compromise truth. He had compassion. He had a heart for the people, but he didn't compromise truth. So if you lean more liberal or progressive in your political thinking, listen, this is what you need to do. You need to pursue godly progress through love. Make sure that you filter everything through your kingdom filter, not your political filter. Here's the good news on that. Did you know that love never fails? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that love endures. Love, it's, it's, it's bulletproof, man. If you will go out and try to accomplish what you want to accomplish in love, love always works. It's always effective. And some people would teach you to make your kingdom filter first, your political filter second. And I'm going to tell you today, just get rid of the second one. Just get rid of it. You can only have one worldview. You can only have one worldview, one filter through which you view the world, you view people, you view things that happen in your life. Pick the kingdom worldview, amen? All right, now I'm going to pick on conservatives a little bit. Is that all right? If you're a conservative in the house, don't raise your hand. All right, if you identify with more conservative ideas, you need to ask yourself, are you more interested in values and standards and rules than you are people now you will say both because this is how conservatives think they'll say well I do care about people and I think the rules help people I think the rules are good but listen sometimes people that are more conservative are viewed as self-righteous or lacking empathy you know why because if you're a conservative sometimes you are sometimes conservative gets so stuck on the rules and on following the rules, and on the standards, that we forget all about people. We forget how what we say makes people feel. We forget that inside of every person is a heart. And listen to what Jesus says here in Luke 11, and this is going to, if you're a conservative, this might be where you get up and leave. Um, Luke chapter 11, verse 42, it says, But woe to you Pharisees, this is Jesus, for you tithe mint and rue in every herb and neglect justice and the love of God these you ought to have done without neglecting the others did I just compare conservatives to Pharisees I did I did that just now but let me tell you what I mean by that if you're a Christian who happens to be a conservative doesn't mean you're a Pharisee but when you allow your worldview to be dominated by your political view, not your spiritual view, the tendency of a conservative is to become a Pharisee. To become, begin to love and, and become so entrenched in rules and standards and what's right and what's wrong that we forget all about people. So if you are more conservative, listen, you can't allow yourself to become hardened by the pride of being right. You can't allow your heart to become hardened by the pride of being right. Because you might have great arguments in your head. And if you've ever, if you're a liberal, if you've ever argue, argued with a conservative, let me just save you time, you're going to lose. They're, even if you win, you're going to lose because they're never going to admit defeat. Conservatives always think they're right. Conservatives have these great arguments because it's all about fact and right and wrong. And that's just where conservatives live. 
But listen, if you're a conservative, are you willing to actually help somebody? Are you willing to put your rightness aside and to humble yourself and to wash someone's feet? Are you willing to do that? I think Jesus was pretty right. I mean, he never made a mistake. He was the son of God. He knew everything. Like, he told you what happened to you, like, 20 years ago. Like, he's a pretty smart guy. Jesus was probably the most correct human being that's ever been. But, you know, most of the time, he didn't lead with his correctness. He led with his compassion in his heart. And so our job, whether we're liberal or conservative, is to point people to Jesus, period, full stop. And Jesus shows compassion. Listen, if you're a conservative, don't fall so much in love with the no compromise that you forget the compassion. We've got to remember the compassion. So you can see there's pitfalls on either side. And as the disciples of Jesus, we have to make sure that we're filtering everything through a kingdom worldview not a political worldview. Listen, force your political views, no matter what they are, force your political views through your kingdom filter. Make sure that every political view you hold or you talk about has had to be cleared and approved by Jesus. Amen? All right, number two. How do we approach political issues? How do we approach these issues? How do we talk about them? All right, number two. Does everybody say always? Say always, say always, always in honor and humility. Always in honor and humility. Why do we want God to be either a Democrat or a Republican? Because of our pride. It's because of our pride. We want to win and we want to be right. We want God to be either a Democrat or a Republican because we want to think that God is on our team. I want to be right, and so I want to take the scriptures, I want to take tradition, I want to take whatever it is, and I want to twist it and mold it and shape it and view it in a way that makes me feel like Jesus is on my team. I want him to wear my jersey, right? Just like me. I know God is a Tar Heel. And if you're a Duke fan, I'm sorry. Every time I walk outside and I look up and the sky is this beautiful Carolina blue, I go, I knew it. I knew God was on my team. Can I get it? Yes, I see people. Amen. Amen. If you can't amen that, I don't know. Got to pray for you after service. But, man, I want to feel like God's on my team. We do the same thing politically. We want to feel like God is on my team. We're taking our staff right now through a study, and, and Pastor Aaron took the men of the church through a study called Oneness Embrace by Dr. Tony Evans. Something he says in that that I love as he says, listen, God doesn't come to take sides. God comes to take over. God doesn't come to take sides. God comes to take over. There are only two teams, God's team and everybody else. So the question is not, is God on your team? The question is, are you on God's team? That is the question. See, politics bring out such a competitive spirit that we quickly forget about loving people. Instead, we begin to view people as the enemy. We bring out that dreaded word, they. Well, you know how they are. Man, I just can't stand it when they talk like that. 
And the mysterious they becomes our enemy. And listen, church, we have one enemy. His name is Satan. We have one enemy. His name is Satan. He would love to use our political worldview to divide us, to tear us in the church apart. I've had talks recently with people in our church. In, I mean, I'm talking the last two weeks. And it's been so sad to me that I've heard people tell me that over political differences, because someone in the church posted something on Facebook that they disagreed with politically, they were almost to the point of walking away from the friendship. How sad is that? That over a political view or an opinion, you as my brother or sister, somebody, and some of these people were, they'd had relationships, friendships for years with these people. And then they were willing to walk away from the friendship or the relationship because they didn't agree on their politics. Listen, demeaning political leaders that we disagree with is wrong. Refusing to listen to others with an open heart is wrong. Provoking others purposefully is wrong. You see that all the time. People get on social media and they just start posting stuff just to make everybody mad. They just want to fight. Listen, that's wrong. Calling each other or calling other people fools or idiots is wrong. Responding online with anger and personal attacks is wrong. Now listen, I know what you're thinking right now. I agree, that sounds good, it's wrong, but I mean, that's just your opinion, Olin. I, I wanted to see if I could find a Bible verse that would say this. And so I started looking up some scriptures, and you know what? I found one. Is it all right if I read the Bible in church? So let's see. I found a scripture. Let's see. I'm going to read this to you here. And, and these aren't going to go up on the screen. You can write these down. But I found the scripture. This is Matthew 5, 22. And it says, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment and whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. And I couldn't believe that. I found a scripture that was like talking about like the thing we're dealing with. And then as, as I was reading that scripture, I was like, I can't believe I found a Bible verse. I like almost tripped in. I found a second Bible verse. Let's read it. In, in number two, it says, it says, this is Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. It says, let no corrupt word... Proceed out of your mouth. No corrupt word. Can you believe the Bible says that? The Bible says that I have to watch what comes out of my mouth. And it says, but what is good for necessary edification, edification, if you know, is building others up, is what you're posting online, building others up. It says that it may impart grace, not fury, rage, anger, Right? It says that it may impart grace to the hearers and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We do that a little bit. But who, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Again, that's Ephesians 4, 29 and 30 if you want to write it down. I couldn't believe it. I found two scriptures and then it was almost like magical. I found two. Then I found a third one. Can you believe there's three scriptures about this topic? So then I, I thought, well, I might as well read the third one too. And it says, with it, our tongue... Uh, we bless our God and Father, and with it, same tongue, we curse men. Huh. That kind of almost seems wrong, doesn't it? Let's see what the Bible says. Who have been made in the similitude of God, or the likeness of God. So that person you're calling an idiot, a moron, they don't know anything. The mysterious they that we think is so stupid, guess what? Jesus died for them too. And God made them in his image too. 
man, it's, it's like the Bible knows what it's talking about here. It says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. James 3, verse 9 through 10. And then, you know, once I found three, I was like, well, here we go. Let's just find some more. So I found another one. It says, so then, my brethren, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James 1, 19 and 20. And if you're going to read four, you might as well read five. It says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Come on. I could have just come in here today, read that verse, we could have went home. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Colossians 4, verse 6. Colossians 4, verse 6. I'm going to read another one. What the heck? We're in church, right? I can read the Bible a little bit. It says, but now you yourselves are to put off these things. What are these things I should put off? I've got, I, he's got my interest here. Let's read them. It says, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now listen to this. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Colossians 3, 8 through 11. Man, it sounds like in Jesus we're actually kind of supposed to be united. We're actually supposed to treat each other like we're valuable. i got to read one more. I'm sorry. It says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Romans chapter 14 and verse 19. Man, we're supposed to pursue the things that make for peace. Pursue the things that make for peace. Does that mean I can't talk about my politics? Because God knows when I talk about politics, people don't get peaceful. But maybe the problem is not that we're talking about politics. Maybe it's the way that we talk about our politics. Maybe it's the way. Maybe when we talk about politics, we should do it with honor and with humility. I love how we, we all think that we're so smart, we're going to fix everything. We, we all talk about how we're so smart, but we got to have a little bit of humility. Does that mean that if you're not an expert or you, you know, aren't the most successful person in the world that you can't vote or have an opinion? No. Does it mean you're not allowed to talk about the issues? No. It means start with yourself. Start with yourself. As a Christian, we're supposed to have enough humility to not go around and what did Jesus say? Try to dig the speck out of our brother's eye when we got a big log sticking out of our eye. Right? Start with ourselves. So what does that mean? It means, listen, if you're a conservative, don't lecture everyone on the evils of Congress and how they overspend our money and they're driving us into debt if you don't budget or manage your money well. Well, our political leaders are just taking us down the tubes. And you're in debt up to your eyeballs. 
Have enough humility to start with yourself. Don't go out running your mouth about something that you're struggling with too. That doesn't make any sense and that's not humility. Listen, if you're a liberal, that's probably where y'all will leave. Don't rant about the greedy 1% and how they're taking all the money and not helping the poor if you don't tithe. If, if you're griping all the time about the rich and the greedy and they have everything. And I remember years ago talking to a couple in our church and they were just going on and on about how the church, the church just spends money. We have this, this screen up here and all these lights and we could be feeding the poor. And I said, man, that's great. Do you tithe? Uh, uh, well, I, I, no, but I said, then shut up. If you don't tithe, you don't get to talk about how other people spend their money or how people aren't generous if you're not generous. Start with yourself. That's humility. Start with yourself. And listen, don't complain about our government if you don't vote. If you don't vote. If you don't vote, just look, this is what you're doing. This is what I need you to do. Okay? Just, just zip it. Have enough humility not to judge people in areas you struggle in. And let's be a part of the solution. Let's be a part of the solution. All right, number three. Now I'm going to let you go today. Nobody's thrown anything yet, so I think we're doing good. All right, number three. Emotion without wisdom is destructive. Emotion without wisdom is destructive. Listen, politics can get people fired up and get people emotional, right? I mean, it gets us in where we live. I mean, it's in our bones, right? I mean, our views, they're sacred. My mom was a, a Democrat, and my grandma was a Democrat. My great-grand-great-great-great-grandma was a Democrat. Going back to the beginning of time, man, I think Adam and Eve were Democrats. So I'm going to be a Democrat. Like, I mean, that's how we think. It's ingrained in who we are. And we want God to be a Democrat or a Republican because we are so invested emotionally in our team. Because we, listen, that's how I am about the Tar Heels, man. When the Tar Heels lost the championship a few years ago and the guy threw the shot and missed and then the guy comes, I was in depression for like two weeks. I mean, I just didn't want to leave my house. I mean, I was just, my wife knows. She's just like, kids, go upstairs, leave daddy alone, right? That's my team. Like, I love my team. Listen, we, we get emotional about our team. Tribalism is what this thing is called. It's called tribalism. And tribalism brings strong emotional attachment culturally or ethnically that, listen, this is the key, that separates us from people in a different group. Tribalism separates us from people in a different group. And listen, this is, this is the danger to that. Unchecked emotion for our tribe can turn off our critical thinking. Unchecked emotion for our tribe can turn off our critical thinking. We read or we hear something from someone in our tribe, and just because they're a Republican and I'm a Republican and they posted it on Twitter, it's got to be true, and then I go and I repost it everywhere and I'm arguing with my friends about it, and I have never looked it up. I have no idea if what they're talking about is true or not, I just start reposting it and hashtagging it and talking about it. It becomes the center place of my intellectual framework because I'm a Democrat and they're a Democrat and they said it, so it must be true. 
And we get so emotionally ingrained and attached to our team, we literally turn our brain off and we stop critically thinking about and questioning what our team has to say. Listen, it's not saying that one's right, one's wrong, but we have to stop and we have to question it. Listen, we have too many people today that base their political knowledge on headlines. And I hate to break it to you guys, the good old days are over. The good old days, the, the anchor, the news was an anchor man or woman got on the air and they told you what happened today. And that was the news, right? What happened today? That's not the news anymore. Today, the news is not what happened today. Today, the news is a panel of people yelling at each other. It's full of opinion. It's full of bias. And listen, whatever your, polit your, your media uh, person is that you like or whatever your channel is that you like, they have an agenda. They all have an agenda. And so we have to question everything that we're hearing. 2 Corinthians 10, and this is verses 3 through 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, so this political stuff, these, these social issues we're wrestling with, they're in the flesh. It says we are not warring, waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Listen, we're in a spiritual war and the war is for our minds. The war is for our minds. We need to be asking questions about what we hear and what we read. And we need to never take it at face value just because our tribe accepts it. Just because our team likes it doesn't make it true. The most powerful thing in the world is our words. Words carry so much power. Listen, when God wanted to change Humanity, when God wanted to change the world, what did God use? He used his word. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When God wanted to change you, what did he do? The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I love in the message translation where it says, and Jesus, the Word, the light of the world, came and moved into the neighborhood. God sent the Word in the flesh. His name was Jesus. And so God knew if he wanted to change us, he had to win the war of our mind and our heart. He had to send his word to change the way we believe and the way we think. Because God knew he could never change our behavior. He could never change the way we treat each other unless he could get inside of here. And so he sent his word. So don't just read the headlines. Listen, as Christians, we have an obligation to go deeper than that. As Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we have an obligation to seek truth and to seek wisdom and let wisdom channel our emotions. We can't just let our emotions run wild and get angry or get excited about something we have no wisdom about. Proverbs 16, 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver. 
We cannot allow our emotions on an issue to drive. We have to seek wisdom and we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. So I want to review before we end today. Listen, we have an obligation, and this is going to sound harsh. I apologize. This is meant to help you to receive it as it's intended. But if you're a believer, we have an obligation to either seek wisdom or shut up. Seek wisdom or shut up. We're not authorized by the master to go out here talking. Because listen, when you're a believer, you're a representative of Jesus Christ. You're a rep, you have now signed on to be a representative of Jesus. So we can't just go around spouting off out of our anger and our emotion without wisdom. We have a responsibility. And so just to recap today, number one, we need to have a kingdom worldview, not a political worldview. We have to force our politics. We have to force the social issues, everything we're dealing with in the, the, the earthly realm. We have to force it through a kingdom worldview. Number two, we have a call. We have an obligation to approach these issues, but how do we do it? Always with honor and with humility. I'm going to start with me first, and I'm not going to gripe about people that are struggling in the same area that I'm struggling. I'm going to have a little bit of humility, a little bit of grace, and no matter who I disagree with, I'm going to show honor. I can disagree. I can disagree and still show honor and respect. And lastly, I'm going to let wisdom direct my emotion. It's okay to get fired up. It's okay to be passionate about change. It's okay to be passionate about preserving truth and values. All those are good things. But we've got to let our, God's wisdom point that emotion. We've got to let God's wisdom steer, not our emotion. Would you stand with me today? Here's the, here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. The people of God, we represent the only tribe that's not tribal. See, our tribe and what we believe isn't meant to separate. It's meant to unite. And when we're a part of the tribe of God, we're called not to turn people away, but to bring people in. That's the beautiful thing about our tribe. It's one of a kind. It's unique. We want everyone to be a part of this group. And one thing we teach here at Freedom House that we believe in, the three B's. Belong, believe, behave. We teach that because we believe that before you will believe, before you will behave, you need to know that you belong. So no matter who you are, no matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, no matter if you're a liberal or a conservative, no matter what your past, no matter what you believe, no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, I want to tell you today, by the authority of Jesus himself, that you belong. You belong. And we know that once you come to terms with the fact that you belong with Jesus, as you get in his word, as you begin to follow after this man named Jesus, the way you think and believe will begin to change. It can't not happen. 
It's amazing. When you follow Jesus, he changes you. So I want to ask you right now to bow your heads for just a moment. I want to ask you to close your eyes and just focus for just a moment on my voice. I want you to block out all distractions, and I want to ask you a simple question today. Are you a part of this tribe. If you're watching online, I want to ask you right now, you can click a button there in the chat and people are there to pray with you. I want to ask you, are you a part of this tribe? Because if you're not, I don't want you to leave today without that. The Bible tells us that it's very simple if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. You have to believe in your heart, confess it with your mouth. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. If that's you, no one's looking around. If that's you and you say, man, I want to be a part of this tribe. I want to put Jesus above everything else. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up right now? We're just going to say a little prayer. Amen. I see those hands. We're going to listen. Church, we're going to pray together with these that have raised their hands. Let's pray this together. Say, Father God, I thank you that you came. You sent your word in the form of Jesus to save me. I believe Jesus died on a cross and I believe he was raised from the dead to give me new life, to change me. And I thank you that I belong. I wanna join your tribe. Be my Lord, be my savior right now. And I'm gonna have a kingdom worldview in the name of Jesus. Amen.